Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Okay, so on today's episode, my very special guest is Jessica Morehouse, and we're going to be talking about balancing personal finance and self-care. And also, Jessica is going to be sharing some really great tips for those of you who are in Canada. So Jessica, welcome to the podcast. I'd love for you to tell everyone who you are and what you do. Thank you so much for having me. I always <laughs> love being a guest on another podcaster's podcast. So you were on my show. I'm on your show. Very exciting. <laughs> um, so a little bit about me. So I always like to tell people a bit of my journey because it, it kind of explains a lot of the you know advice and tips that I give. So when I... I'm a millennial, graduated in 2009. Super fun time. I got a fine <laughs> arts degree. Super employable. Had a, you know, a rough start to the adulting world, but it actually is what propelled me to learn about personal finance because I had no money and I wanted to learn how do I live with no money? <laughs> Basically, how do I live on ba- barely any income? And it helped me discover my true passion, which is actually helping people with their money, which is an interesting turn of events. I started blogging about personal finance almost 10 years ago. And then uh, six years ago, I started my own podcast. I have a YouTube channel. So basically, I'm a content creator on all things money. I also do public speaking. I'm an accredited financial counselor. Basically, everything I do in my business involves educating people. And also, you know, since I'm a woman, I also really like to focus on helping women with their money. And also, I'm based out of Canada. So I also have a Canadian <laughs> twist. Well, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. So many people ask me about if I know someone who is a financial expert or counselor, advisor out of Canada. And even before you and I had met to record your podcast, I would always refer you. Mm, no, actually that's true. Cause there, I talked to someone recently who was interested in um, my investing course for Canadians. And she's like, Oh, Bola recommended you. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's nice. So if you're in Canada and you're looking for that perfect person, Jessica is your girl. <laughs> So let's talk about this whole self-care and finance. And I am a huge advocate for self-care. Those of you who've listened to the podcast for a while, you know that I talk about self-care a lot, but I would love for you to share your perspective of self-care from a financial point of view. We think about self-care as, you know, getting a face mask or a massage or, you know, getting your nails done, which I mean, believe me in this, I'm, you know, I'm in Toronto, we're still locked down and we're not opening up until, and by opening up, it's like, I still can't get my hair cut till this July. So (laughs) I can't wait for that kind of self-care, I'll tell you, but... 
what I think the year 2020 has really shown a lot of people is this is a wake up call and I can no longer ignore my financial situation, whether it's like I have to deal with my debt, I should probably start investing because I'm 30 and I haven't even opened up my first investment account or I don't have a budget or whatever it may be. 2020, actually, if you want to look at the the glass half full, was a great wake up call for so many people to actually get started mm-hmm. and do something for themselves. And I think I, I like talking about taking care of your finances as a form of self care because there's so many emotions, and I think preconceived notions about taking care of your money. I mean, I, I think also especially for women, sometimes we think we're not really part of that world. It is very male dominated. We don't feel like we're part of the conversation. And so a lot of us have delayed doing really important things like taking care of you know, our debt situation or our investing. But really, we should take a look at it as what is the best thing you can do for present you and future you? Yes, it is like all those other elements like meditation and journaling and all those types of things. But the best thing you really can do that will have the biggest impact in your life is actually doing something with your finances, making a plan, implementing that plan and doing it for the long term and and getting rid of this preconceived notion or this idea or this messaging that you were kind of giving yourself that I'm bad with money. I don't know what I'm doing. I was taught this in school. So I feel like it's too hard to learn this now at my age. That's why I share my background. I came from a fine arts degree. So I studied like experimental (laughs) film, super on the other spectrum of what I currently do now. So this should just prove that all of this stuff is 100% learnable. And all the people who maybe made you feel like it isn't for you or you're not smart enough to learn this or you need a special degree to, to know how to manage this, don't listen to those people because they usually have some sort of motivation behind what they're saying. They're selling you something. They want you to hire them. They just have their own their own issues that they're projecting, whatever the case is. So really focusing on this idea that anyone can learn this stuff, anyone can apply this stuff, and you deserve to do this for yourself because you Mm -hmm. do want to take care of you. It's not selfish. It is just when you're on an airplane, put the mask on yourself before putting it on whoever's next to you. That's the exact same thing of how you should go through life. You need to take care of you financially before you can help someone else in your family or your friend group or whatever the case may be. So essentially you're saying improving your finances is the ultimate form of self-care, basically. I would say so, yeah. (laughs) I mean, just uh, like the life that I live now is nothing like I thought it would be in a good way. Like again, graduating during the recession with a useless degree, the first job I got out of school was very low paying. So I had to have a second job and living in very expensive cities. I'm originally from Vancouver. Now I live in Toronto, two of the most expensive cities in Canada. I thought I was going to be poor forever or or just struggling. Like I never thought I'd be able to own my own place. I never thought I'd be able to go on trips because you know, I grew up middle class or lower middle class. We we didn't have a lot of money. That's for sure. I definitely it was definitely apparent that we didn't have money because I saw how other families were spending money and I'm like, "Oh, why can't we do that?" And I'd always hear, "We can't afford it." Um so I always thought that, that that's how I'd continue my life as an adult saying, "We can't afford it. We can't afford it" and having to go without. I didn't realize that if you learn this stuff, if you apply this stuff, if you're strategic and smart and dead and careful with your finances, you can actually have a better life. I never thought that was actually going to be true. But I think part of it was because I thought I was going to be a starving artist working in the film industry. And so I was kind of okay with that. But then I, I realized, well, A, that's not actually my passion. But B, you can change your your money story. You can change whatever your past is. Doesn't mean it's, it's going to determine your future. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's come up with a scenario like so Mm -hmm. I am 
I don't know, 27 years old, 28 years old, and I have student loans and I have a credit card bill to pay and I got myself into an auto loan and Mm. I've created my plan. So I'm working on that financial self-care, but I'm just exhausted mentally and I'm exhausted Mm. emotionally. And I want to buy the things. I want to buy the face mask. I want to go get the massage. I want to do the facial. I want to go on the vacation with my friends now that we are starting to mm-hmm. travel. And that's me taking care of me. That's self-care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do I create a balance? And this person doesn't have to be 20. They can be any yeah, age dealing any with any age, of these yeah. things, right? People are so ready to spend money because they haven't been able to for the past year. They haven't been able to travel. They haven't been able to go wild because we were all stuck at home and not able to go where we usually go and spend money. So I totally understand that. I feel like so many people can relate to that. The thing is, when it comes to balance, it's really about give and take. You can't have it all. Like that's just life. You can't have it all. What's really important to do, like an actionable item you can do is write all of those things down. What are some of the key financial obligations you want to tackle? Whether it's, you know, you've got all these different debts. Let's outline all those different debts. What are their balances? What are their interest rates? And which ones are really causing you the most financial stress? Most likely it's the most high interest debt that you're paying off. And then what are some of those things that you really want to spend money on? So whether it's a trip or going out with friends or going to a bunch of restaurants or splurging on a new wardrobe for summer, whatever it is, write everything down and then start to prioritize them. So very easily, sometimes you just need to write it down. You don't actually need to spend the money to feel that way. I mean, I feel like most of us can agree. Sometimes the urge to spend or the idea of spending money is kind of more exciting and then actually spending the money and then getting whatever the heck you spend your money on. Like there's so many times where I'm like, oh man, I've just been looking on like Sephora makeup for, for so long. I don't know why. It's not like I leave my house, but I still, you look on you know this website because you fantasize about what kind of, life or lifestyle you could lead if you just had this lipstick or this blush or something like that, mm-hmm. then you spend the money, then you get the product. That feeling of wanting is still there and you immediately forget that you spent money. It's kind of a, a cycle. So if you just really write down all of your kind of feelings and your thoughts and different obligations and different things you want to spend your money on, you'll be able to kind of get a good view of what what's actually going on in my mind right now. <laughs> and then you can kind of prioritize things and also maybe write down, why do I want this? What am I feeling right now? What is this feeling inside me that makes me want to get this? And sometimes, for instance, I'll give you a good one because this is one that I've been struggling with a lot with my husband. We've been pretty much locked down in our house for you know a good year. And we realized, okay, our home is very small. We have neighbors above us. They wake up early and they stomp around. Gosh, wouldn't it be great if we could buy another place? We live in Toronto. It's incredibly expensive. Average home prices in our city is $1 million. We do not have a million dollars. And even if we sold this place, we'd still have a huge mortgage. It's been something we've been talking about for 12 months. And so we constantly talk about why do we feel like we need to buy another home? Sometimes it's looking on social media and seeing that people have bought you know, homes that are bigger because they, they mm-hmm. wanted to during this time because everyone's just spending all this time at home and that's all they can think about is homes. Sometimes it's we realize, you know, I think it's because we haven't been on a trip and usually we travel pretty frequently. We go, you know, visit my family in Vancouver at least twice a year. We usually go on a trip once or twice or even just like a mini break, you know, an hour outside the city. And we have not been able to do that for 12 months. So I think it's not that we want to home because I think if we actually spent the money and got this crazy big mortgage to buy this bigger place, we'd probably regret it because really this probably could be solved if we just went on a a trip or something like that. And luckily things are starting to open up here. We're going to be able to go on a little vacation very soon. And I think that's actually going to solve the problem. So you can kind of 
take that, apply it to whatever you have the the urge to spend money on, whether it's you know, I want to buy a bunch of clothes. Well, why do you want to buy a bunch of clothes? Maybe you're on social media a lot and you see a lot of people buying new clothes and it's influencing you to think that I, my wardrobe is crap. I need to buy a new wardrobe. Like write down what you want and your feelings. And that sometimes will be enough that you're like, actually, I don't even want to spend money on that. I just feel influenced by some external thing that's going on. Yeah, I, I definitely agree on thinking through the things you want to buy, writing them down, reflecting mm-hmm. on them. And if it's something that you really want, building it into your budget. And sometimes it's just the feeling of wanting to do something that you associate with self-care. Mm-hmm. And then you do the thing and you still have that void because you it's not really providing you with the self-care that you need because sometimes your self-care doesn't have anything to do with spending money. It could Mm -hmm. be just spending a few more hours getting the rest that you need. It could be sitting in your tub with the water you've already paid for in your monthly bill Mm -hmm. (laughs) and taking a bubble bath. It could be just spending time to disconnect from social media or from work or Mm -hmm. from people and to recover your energy. Sometimes that's, that's what it is. And like you said, you can't have everything that you want. Sometimes it's difficult to hear that because yeah. the per- you may be working so hard to pay off debt, to save, to do something, and you really want to treat yourself, but you may not be able to do it all. But like I said, it's not always, self-care is not always associated with dollars, right? Yeah, and can- I think part of the reason we think it is, is because for so long, there's been a couple kind of excuses that have been advertised to us probably by, by from retailers and, and organizations that want your money, like the term retail therapy and the term, oh, just treat yourself. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, that's an excuse for you spending money when you know you probably shouldn't. But going back to, you know, if you do want to treat yourself and there's nothing wrong with that, I'm not one of those people that's like, you need to live on ramen noodles until you pay off your debt. I don't think that's sustainable and it doesn't work. We have seen that. It is not helpful. That's why it's so important to write down that list, maybe even write down what are the costs associated to all these different things and then see, is there any wiggle room in your budget? Is there any kind of amount of money that you can square away for yourself so you can treat yourself? Because maybe $50 would suffice, you know, $50 so you can buy some new shirts or something like that. That'll make you feel really good for the summer. But I think a lot of people think of in extremes and probably don't put a price tag to what they want to buy. And so they may spend like thousands of dollars when really they probably could have felt that same feeling of like, ah, I got something, I'm treating myself. I, you know, a little celebration of my wins, paying off my debt and staying on budget, maybe $50 or $100 will actually do. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars. I agree. Like for me right now, my ultimate self-care is sleep. Mm-hmm. It's being able to get enough sleep so that I can be present as a mom, as a wife, as a business owner, and not just present, but functioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the way I do that is by resting. And sometimes as you guys who listen to the podcast, you know, sometimes I've struggled with that, just rest, trying to balance mm-hmm. everything and that's a conversation I was even having with my husband yesterday. So for me, my ultimate self-care right now is sleep. And I, I have been in the position where I felt that if I bought like skincare products mm-hmm. or I bought like a fancy bubble bath that had like eucalyptus, blah, mm-hmm. blah, in it, <laughs> and spent money, 
<laughs> that was self-care. But then what I realized is that sometimes I, I've spent the money to buy the products, the mask, which I no longer buy, by the way, if you haven't watched that YouTube video on the 10 things I no longer buy, go check it out. But sometimes I will buy the, I'll buy the mask. I'll buy, I would buy the whatever and I wouldn't have time to use it. Right. So what did I really accomplish with my self-care journey? Nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm the same way. There's a couple of things that are in my house. I'm like, Jessica, you bought this for yourself to treat yourself and you've never even opened it or used it. Never used like, it. I mean, I'd say the same for like books. <laughs> There's so many times where I'm like, oh, I just want that book. It'll bring me so much joy and happiness and self-care. It's like, you know, curling up with a good book. And you know how many books I have that I haven't read? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> yes exactly exactly some people are going to spend money regardless Mm. right so in your opinion if someone has a budget and they've thought through it what are the best self-care investments Mm. for someone who is spending money on self-care well i mean when we're talking about budgets which i feel like some people think that the term budget and self-care are conflicting (laughs) because I think a lot of people think a budget is something to restrict you. That could be because historically it was. I mean, I still remember when I was getting into personal finance a decade ago, if you were to turn on the TV or the radio, all the money experts, all they were all kind of saying the kind of same messaging, which was all about, you know, sacrifice going without and then also shaming you for shopping and spending money, which I don't want anyone to feel. Oh my it's God. not a good feeling, right? Um, there's still a lot of yes. those uh, major players around that are still saying the same messaging, which is unfortunate. Tough love doesn't work, in my opinion. Positivity and making you feel heard and welcomed into the personal finance community, I think those are, are better ideas. So for me, I think even the the idea of setting up a budget is self-care because a budget isn't something to restrict you. It is something for you to craft on your own, to find out, okay, how much money is actually coming in, what is coming out in terms of my kind of fixed expenses, those bills that I need to pay, and then kind of what's left over. How can we square some money away for savings and some of our variable expenses, things that you know, may not pop up all the time. It is up to you to create your own spending plan. I like to use that term more than budget just because it's, it sounds more exciting. But as for you to be like, what do you want to happen with your money? For instance, when I you know work with clients and we craft a budget together, usually we'll create kind of a, a category as a savings goal so they can actually put money into a special savings account that is for shopping. It doesn't make sense in my view to have a line item in your budget as an expense for like just general shopping. And that could be just like buying a purse or new clothes or something like that. Usually we do that maybe a couple times a year, you know, because we want to update the wardrobe as a new season or something like that. Or for me, like makeup, I don't buy makeup regularly, but I definitely do every six months like, oh, I ran out of my foundation. So I need to get some more foundation or something like that. So having that as like a savings goal in your budget where you're contributing on a regular basis, like every paycheck, it's actually kind of exciting because you are now allowing yourself to kind of fantasize about some of the things that you can spend on yourself, some fun money, some fun stuff. And you can see that money accrue, accrue. And then whenever you want, then you know exactly how much you can spend on whatever you want. So, you know, talking about treating yourself, if you're saving and contributing to this, you know, special savings account for like six months, maybe after that time, there's like $500 in there. You can go crazy. You got $500 and you were allowed to spend it because you made sure to save that in advance. I think the problems arise when you want to spend money, but you don't have the money to spend. But if you're already saving it in advance, then go crazy. That's exactly what that money is for. So that's one easy way where you can kind of flip the script and kind of change your mindset. So you feel good about spending money because you're being proactive and planning for it in advance. 
whatever brings you joy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, if it makes sense for you, if it fits into your savings that you've been, you've been putting aside, I personally have a guilt-free savings account. I don't know what I want mm-hmm. to buy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, but I know that when I want to buy the thing, I like to have it there. I know that I can buy it guilt-free. That's why the yeah. account is called guilt-free. I don't have I to associate that. to any goal or any credit card or anything. It's just cash I have there. I want to buy something. I can splurge. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. be spur of the moment, <laughs> mm-hmm. no plan spender because I have that buffer for that particular mm-hmm. event. And then once that's done, I can start to replenish it. So when I'm thinking about if I want to spend money on self-care for me, it's no longer products. Cause I know that mm-hmm. the chances that I will make time to use a product that's not already in my regime mm-hmm. or regimen are low, right? If I wasn't using the face mask before, just because I want to do self-care doesn't mean I'm going to use it now. I'm not going to use it. So for me, it's something that like, you know, random, but for me, an audiobook that I can listen to when I'm driving home after dropping my kids in school, that's great self-care. Like listening in silence Mm -hmm. for me is, it's big because before my kids were born, I used to love reading physical books. And as babies, they would tear all my books into pieces. Like <laughs> both of them would just tear all the pages of all the books. So I stopped buying as many <laughs> physical books. And so I, I've kind of, I want to get back into that habit now that my kids are getting older and they know not to tear things. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm working on getting back into reading physical books, I love to listen to audiobooks, And that's a huge treat for myself. That's big self-care because I get to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you said, it's, it's so important to figure out what does bring you joy and that gratification. And, you know, sometimes it is like a physical thing. It could be books, but sometimes it's not, maybe it is a service or something. Or you know, So it's really sleep. important to figure out. Yeah. It's, it's sleep. That's free. And that's, you know, but also is it free? <laughs> you is know, it free? Is it really free? But, what you know, happens? For, yeah. I mean, for, for example, especially, um, you know, starting last spring when the pandemic really hit and it was, it was a really scary time. I know so many people have been spending more of their money on therapy or, you know, working with a counselor or something like Mm -hmm. that to work through some of their issues or their anxieties. I personally have done that myself and it is money very well spent. Talk about self-care. That's self-care, yes. Self-care, right? But it's like also, you know, I did have to figure out how do I rework the budget so I can afford that. I don't have healthcare that covers that. So I have to pay it in cash. And so how do we afford this so I can get the help that I need? But so it's really, yeah, again, going back to what do you actually need to improve your life? And again, writing all these things down. And then you could be like, I have face masks on there, but let me see. I buy them and I have a whole bunch of them actually in my bathroom that I don't use. Maybe I should take that off the list. Very true. (laughs) I'm glad to hear your take on self-care. And Mm -hmm. I think it's not traditional what you're saying and something for everybody to think about that taking care of your finances is a form of self-care because of what it can positively impact in your life into the future. Creating a budget is a great investment in that self-care of your finances because it helps you plan. You can build spending money if you want to spend money on self-care into your budget and create designated account so that you can afford those things. Or if you feel like there's something you really need to do for yourself, like therapy, for example, you want to look at your budget and adjust it Mm -hmm. and figure out how you can make it work so you can get that service or thing you need 
right? As long as you've really thought it through and you really know that this is going to be positively impactful to your self-care and not just call a feeling for a few minutes or a few days and then put you back where, right back where you started, which was feeling like you needed self-care, right? Mm -hmm. And I always tell people that when you are having to leverage debt to pursue self-care, in a way, it defeats the purpose, Mm -hmm. right? Because you end up coming back and feeling stressed about that debt you used to buy that thing. Mm -hmm. You used to pay for that service because you don't have a plan to pay for it because you didn't have the money. And people say, well, I really need the therapy right now. I'm going to put it on my credit card, but you put it in your credit card. What's your plan? Because you're going to come out of therapy and be stressed about this big debt. So what's the plan Mm -hmm. to save for therapy? What's the plan to pay off that debt if you've already done that? What's the plan, right? So just really think things through. Think things through. I don't think we should always be in pursuit of spending for Mm self-care because so many things are free. Mm -hmm. And even going back just to the topic of therapy, it seems like there are actually so many more like cost efficient ways that you can get it. So you can you yes. know, do the traditional thing, find a therapist or whatever. And that can be costly. It can be like 200 bucks an hour, but there's lots of different apps and, and things like that out there now that are way more cost efficient. So you can get that immediate need met. And then maybe when you're in a better financial situation, you can you know find a dedicated person to help you. Yes. And in the States, some health insurance cover therapy. So it may not be the superstar celebrity person you want to work with, but it could be an equally good therapist that is covered under your insurance policy that you can take advantage of. Many employers, if you're fortunate to be employed, have employee benefits that have a lot to do with wellness. They will pay for gym coverage, like taking care of your physical bodies, also a form Mm. of self-care. So explore your workplace benefits to see what your employer offers. And if they don't offer anything, you can also ask HR what their plans are because maybe they just never got around to it, right? In terms of employee wellness, especially given the times we're in, I think many, many businesses who are doing well are prioritizing the well-being of their employees Mm -hmm. in these crazy times. Absolutely. So Jessica, shifting gears, I would love for you to share some key financial slash investing tips that you have for our audience in Canada. Mm-hmm. Right now, pandemic, you guys are still under partial or mostly lockdown. This is the end of May. Wrongs, yeah, we're, we're yes. slowly getting open. It's, 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 it's exciting because, you know, I'm originally from British Columbia. And so they announced that they they have kind of reopening plans. So I think my family can actually finally get together, like like my parents and my sisters and actually get together for the first time in like, goodness, I don't know, but almost a year, really. Like it's been crazy. I know it's so that's, crazy. It's exciting what's happening, but we're still, we're still in this situation. We're not totally out of the woods, but anyways, going back to, you know, if you're Canadian, what are some things that are specific in terms of personal finance or investing for Canadians? The good thing is in general, most financial advice, whether it's, you know, from the Canada or the U S it applies but there's, it's really kind of the particular things, like the different account types, different products that we have, different legislation, things like that. So one of my biggest tips, I would say for you Canadians, if you have a TFSA, a tax-free savings account, one of the, I think, missed opportunities that I see often is people use a TFSA 
for a savings account. I mean, it sounds like, isn't that what it's for? Tax-free savings account. It is a terrible name for what this account is. It is just an account where, and I'm sure there's an American equivalent. It might be, I can't remember. Like, I'm not good with your accounts. It might be an IRA. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's basically an account where you can put money in. It's after tax dollars, so you don't get a tax deduction. But you can keep it in cash or you can invest that money and the growth, you're never taxed on it. You can withdraw the funds whenever you like. And you get that room, that withdrawal room back the following year. TFSA is one of the best vehicles to grow your wealth tax-free. And I think so many people don't utilize it properly. So that is tip number one, use your TFSA for your investments. Tip number two, and this is, again, another missed opportunity to see with so many Canadians is if you are working for a company and they offer either a pension, like it could be a defined benefit or defined contribution plan or a group RRSP, take advantage of it. I would say specifically, if your company is matching your contributions, definitely. If they aren't, that's usually for a group RRSP. I probably wouldn't participate. Just do it on your own independently. But if your company is, for instance, matching you dollar for dollar, it doesn't even matter what they're investing your money in. So you know, hear a lot of people like, oh, I don't want to participate because the only portfolios my group RRSP offers is you know high fee, actively managed mutual funds. So what should I do? I'm like, still participate. Because if they're matching your contributions dollar for dollar, that's 100% return on your investment. So Free money. Free that's money, also right? covering the fee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then leaving you this, leaving you with some. <laughs> Absolutely. It's literally, if you don't participate, and honestly, so many, like I've worked at lots of different companies before I, I you know, started my own company. And I was one of the few people that always participated because I knew the math. And I'm like, this is free money. You're leaving free money on the table. You won't get from this employer if you don't participate. And then you can do whatever you want with that money when you leave. So, you know, example, left my last employer four years ago. I participated in the group RRSP. You don't have to, you know, your money doesn't have to stay in that plan. You can move it to just an independent, you know, individual RRSP and do whatever you want. So I moved that money to a robo-advisor in something, um, you know, a better portfolio for me. And, you know, I made some money. So those are two big things that I just wish every Canadian knew because it's, again, such you know, missed opportunities I see over and over again. That is some really great advice. Thank you for sharing that. I hope you guys who are listening in Canada are taking notes, have taken notes, and you're going to go off and implement, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, get those accounts set up. <laughs> exactly. And if you have more questions, that's why I am here. I mean, I have, especially when it comes to, I think, the world of investing, we as Canadians, we get a lot of American financial information and news, and it's so confusing. You wouldn't believe how many times I'm talking to a Canadian and they're like, so how do I set up a 401k? And like, we do not have those here. <laughs> you don't That's have why that. <laughs> if you're trying to find it and you can't find it, it's because we literally do not have them. Um, so, you know, we get a lot of kind of conflicting information. So it's, it's kind of confusing. It makes like just getting started investing even that more intimidating and difficult to jump into. But there are so many great resources out there. You know, if you're looking for specific Canadian investing books or Canadian personal finance books, I've got a bunch of great ones listed on my website at the recommendations page. Because, you know, again, I, I love my American books, but sometimes you're like, well, we have, you know, a bit of a different situation here in Canada. We have different accounts, different products. So it's nice to kind of see, okay, what's applicable more to me. And that's also why I built my own investing course called Wealth Building Blueprint for Canadians. It is specific investment information for Canadians because when you look for all these different investing courses, and there's some great ones out there, a lot of them are for Americans. So we can't really apply a lot of it to ourselves in Canada. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. And we'll definitely be including that information in the show notes. And Jessica, this has been great. But before I let you go, you have to tell me what is your Clever Girl superpower? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would love to know what other people say. I'm like superpower. Gosh. You know what? I would say, I guess, and I don't know if this this is a good one, but I'd say my superpower that I've I've crafted over these, you know, 10 years that I've been doing this is taking complicated, intimidating financial concepts and translating them so anyone can understand. Because that was the biggest kind of barrier for me when I was just getting started. I was starting to read all these different books it was like a different language. I'm like, what are they talking about? And it makes you <laughs> not want to continue because you do feel like maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not smart enough to digest all this information. And a lot of it is just understanding, okay, well, that term actually means this. And a lot of the time, I'm like, why didn't they just say that? And I'm like, I know, I don't know why, but here it is. So I think I'm a pretty good translator. That's at least I think maybe what my superpower is. And that's a great one because honestly, there's no reason for things, life in general, to be complicated. It can mm. be simplified. If you have to overwhelm yourself to understand something, then it kind of defeats the purpose of trying to understand the thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jessica. And if you could just mention your website um, where people can find the resources and your course and all that good stuff, that will yeah. be super helpful as well. Yes. Yeah, so you can find me and a bunch of I have you know, a bunch of free resources and, and you know everything you can think of on my main website, jessicamorehouse.com. I also have a podcast and a lot of it is Canadian based. It's called the More Money Podcast. And I have a YouTube channel as well that, again, I do focus a lot on Canadian finance. So if you're Canadian, you're like, I'd like to know a little bit more about, you know, some specific things that we deal with, like taxes or investing and stuff like that. That's definitely where you can find that. And I'm also on the gram. I feel like no one says that anymore. That's definitely an old person thing to say, but I'm on Instagram at Jessica. You are a millennial. I know, but I think I might be close to that geriatric millennial. Like I'm turning 35 soon. So I'm not like, you know, it's funny because it's uh, when I first rebranded my website. So it was like kind of a personal finance expert. I called myself a millennial money expert. I still kind of do. And I'm like, I don't know if I can still use that because millennial doesn't mean the young person anymore. Closer to 40 than oh, don't. 30 now. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. I'm older than you. So if yeah. you're geriatric, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jessica. This has been so great. I appreciate you sharing. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.